Take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on RFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome to Bringing Wellbeing to Life, the programme that takes wellbeing research off the page and into our lives. I'm Dr Denise Quinlan and today we're talking about boredom in the classroom and what we can do about it. That's both as a teacher and as a student. My guests today are from Denmark, where they have been very active in this area, and we're very lucky to have them with us. Today we have Meta Ledertug, who's a PhD with a postdoc in positive education. Meta's formerly a school teacher with over 20 years of teaching experience. Her research focuses on optimal learning and well-being at primary and secondary level. And throughout her career, Meta has met many students who don't learn or thrive optimally. And this is what's really got her fired up to battle boredom and has given her faith in the positive results that are coming from these efforts. Meta's colleague with me today is Nana Poop. Nana has an MA in positive psychology. She's also a process consultant that, that delivers teacher training, focuses on how to engage people in education and how to develop professional learning communities. She's the author of a series of books on tools for classroom management, and she is always on the lookout for new ways to involve, engage, and motivate students, teachers, and other staff in education institutions. Mete and Nana, we are delighted to have you with us. Welcome to Bringing Wellbeing to Life. Thank you very much, Denise. Thank you. We're pleased to be here. I've got your book in my hand, The Battle Against Boredom in Schools, and mm-hmm. I don't think this is one of the most beautiful books that I have held and read through in years. Just the way that you've laid it out and the range of exercises. I am really excited about this book. So it's just fantastic to have you here to chat to. <laughs> so thank you. To start off, we know that you've worked in um, in education and on student well-being for a long time now. And and you've you've kind of brought this to a big focus on the topic of battling boredom. Um, tell us why this topic is so important to you and what, what made you decide to kind of focus your efforts on boredom? The first time we had a national survey on well-being in Denmark was actually in 2015. And it, the results came out in, in 16 and we went to the, the conference on well-being and, and they, they told us there that the research results showed that 26% of, children, uh, of Danish children are bored in school often or very often. And uh, we were looking at each other and we found these numbers quite devastating. It's, it's mm-hmm. one out of four children bored in, in school so often. So when I came back home that evening, I talked to my husband and my youngest son, Victor, and I was telling them about the conference and about the numbers. And my, my son, he was 13 at that time. And he turned to me and he said, I'm very surprised of these numbers too. And then he said, I would have imagined they would have been much higher. And I wow. thought, wow, yeah, I got a shock. And I turned to him and I looked at him and said, eh, honestly, uh, can you tell me how, how, how much time are you bored in school? Not just a little bit and, and not something that you can easily do something about, but what, when, you, when are you really severe bored in school? And he was thinking about it for a second and then he said, 
I, I would guess 50% of the time. Yeah. And, and, and I know that if I send my, my, my kid to school, then he would be bored for an hour or two a day. And I knew that if I had a job like that, I would quit immediately. So that was the time when we looked at each other in uh, the four authors and, and said, we need to do something about this. This is, this is not okay. You are people who've looked at boredom in great detail. And I liked your kind of speedometer of boredom. And you talk about different kinds of boredom. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, um, I can do that. Uh, all types of boredom are not the same. We can talk about the more healthy one that are short-term boredom. And there will be the unhealthy long-term and severe boredom. Yeah. So the healthy boredom is a signal to explore the opportunities of finding something else to do, while the long-term and unhealthy boredom has negative effects on both learning and well-being. And as you talked about in our book, we use the speedometers with three different types of boredom. You can talk about the indifferent, the calibrating, the searching, the reactant, and the apathetic uh, boredom. And they will appear different. So for us, it's important for, uh, to let the teachers know that some students are more introvert and some are more extrovert when they show boredom. So the speedometer is a help to the teachers how to recognize how boredom, uh, okay. what it looks like, what can yeah. you actually see. And then you, of course, you have to go into a dialogue with the students about what they experience and in our book, we have some specific exercises to do that. And so if I was, talk to me about an introverted versus an extroverted student who's bored in the class. What might I be most likely to see? I think that what you notice in classroom is always the extrovert uh, behavior. So, so if a student is, is um, introvert, you might not even notice that they are bored. And actually we have uh, in, in the Danish survey, we have students telling the researchers that they are trying not to show boredom. They're trying not to affect the teacher-student relationship, and they're uh, trying not to affect their grades. So they would um, a act as if they are not bored, but severe bored anyway. That's a little bit heartbreaking, isn't it? It's a, it's a student saying, I am bored out of my mind, but if I show it, the teacher will be angry with me. It will affect my grades. It's best that I just go underground and keep quiet. Yeah. That's terrible. That is terrible. Um, yeah, it is. And then, of course, we notice, the, we notice the extrovert who's bored more easily because they're more likely to draw our attention, make a fuss. What, things, what kind of behavior do you typically see with the extroverted students? We see either the type who actually uh, express the boredom. Can we do something else? Or um, that's the more positive way to, to, to actually ask the teacher if it's possible to do it in another way or uh, quicker or whatever. But, but you also see the students who, who, who is uh, behaving negatively. Maybe they're just, you know, uh, looking at Facebook while the teaching yeah. is going on or they are disturbing their, uh, the person sitting next to them, or they might even leave the room. And, and in the worst case, we see that they actually quit school because this is not for me. This is actually too boring. So let's start talking about what some of your advice to, um, you know, how did you start thinking about ways to support teachers? 
when we looked at each other and said we, we need to battle boredom, what we were searching for was, was the right kind of framework. That we needed something that were theoretically sound and actually applicable in the classroom. That's when, and then that's when we, we turned to the, the PERMA model created by Martin Seligman um, as a theoretical framework for well-being. But I have been doing my PhD in strength-based learning, so I've been working a lot with the character strengths and seen how, how they can um, progress both uh, well-being and, and, and learning in, in the classroom. And, and I think that the PERMA model adds even more values to the, to the strength work. Um, so we decided to use the PERMA as a theoretical foundation, but we would use it as a method as a tool in the classroom to 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 um and and the perma model is that you have to consider the positive emotion in the classroom you need to consider the engagement the relationships in the classroom the meaning of the content and and giving uh, the students possibilities to accomplish in in the classroom and instead of just using it as a theoretical framework we use it as a method for the teachers to consider in the classroom when they prepare their uh, session and when they execute the session, they, they need to consider these elements. How, how do I make sure that there's actually positive emotions in my classroom? We know that they, 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 the children, they, they broaden their perspective, their cognitive repertoire as soon as they have positive emotions. So how do we... How do we make sure that, that some, somewhere in, in the, the session that I prepare for my students, mm -hmm. I have also considered the positive emotions? Yeah. And so with each of the different elements, we, we suggest that you use that, that as a method, as, as a framework for even planning the teaching. But I, I think it's quite important that teachers consider that, that, that they can do it both explicit in, in the teaching or implicit. Yeah. It could be in in the the subject we have some different exercises uh it's uh, showing how how can you actually do math while you're still having fun or it could be sort of like in between stuff that you do a brain break exercise to raise energy and raise positive emotions in the classroom between two uh more serious uh, uh content sessions within the session yeah. And I guess also, if I'm, if I'm thinking about this from a teacher's perspective, there may be some teachers that look at this and go, wow, I think I'm really good on generating positive emotion in my class. But actually, I think my weak place is meaning or allowing my students space to get a sense of accomplishment. So, you know, there's a, there's a lovely range of things for teachers to think about where in their own teaching style they could benefit most as well in terms of mm. um, dialing up more of this for their students. And so can you tell us about some of the strategies that you've developed? And um, you just mentioned some meta for positive emotions, you know, thinking about yeah. it being implicit or whether there's a brain break. What else would you, what, what are some of the other activities or strategies that you suggest to teachers looking to generate yeah. positive emotions? Well, I, uh, as we just talked about, we, uh, we looked into what would help the teacher, but we also need to look into what would help the students. Mm 
So uh, we, we want to create the learning environment based on the PERMA, as Meta said. And uh, to do that, the teacher can use specific classroom management tools. Meta said brain breaks as an example. And then in the book, we have some different exercises. Actually, you'll find 90 exercises in the book. So just to give you one, as you asked um, in the beginning of the book, uh, working with positive emotions, we have one called Meaningful Activities. And in that activity, we would let the students pair up and discuss the purpose of going to school. Um, something we might take for granted, but it isn't all over the world. So just to have the talk about what is actually the meaning of being here and, and, and what is my saying into that and what can I actually do to, uh, to make it meaningful. So we, we want to uh, make sure that the students also do their part of this work. Lovely. Another example would be the boredom therm thermometer. Uh, if you use that for a shorter period, you will uh, let the student uh, put a score up every day and anonymous, uh, and calculate the overall score in the class at the end of the week. And then when you see the overall score, you will facilitate a talk about what can you and the class do and learn from this? What can we learn from the score and what can we actually do to get more of what we want in class? So a lot of exercises to engage more. It's not just, just the teacher arriving and then do a lot of stuff and then everything will change. We need to, do, to interact and do the things yeah. together with the students. And that's part of, um, it's, it's, it's actually, um, I don't know, giving the students credit for being the alive, vibrant, interesting human beings that they are and yeah. saying um, engagement is something we're going to co-create. It's not about a teacher coming in being all dancing, all singing, interesting. Exactly. It's about what makes this classroom, what makes our learning engaging and interesting, yeah. yeah. I like that, I li and I love the idea of a class having a, a boredom thermometer. Yeah, we, that would, yeah. I, I think that's a really good idea. You, you're not going to do it for a long time, but for a shorter, shorter period to make sure that you actually look into this. Coming back to some of the other strategies that you've developed and activities that you use, for, say, for engagement and relationships, what are some of those, some of your favorites? I'm, I, I think, actually, I, I'm not sure if I have some favorites. I think it's more the... Uh, the importance of using the PERMA framework, both in your preparation and the execution in class. So mm -hmm. the important thing is to, to focus on all five elements, including the strength, of, as Meta talked about. Um, and I think uh, when you use the classroom management strategies, you can involve and engage uh, most possible students. Meta, you would like to add something? Yeah. Yeah, I would you like have a favorite. <laughs> I have a favorite. It, yeah, in our book, we we use the active, constructive responding, uh -huh. um, and and actually, when we wrote the book, we were four authors together, and and some of the time it is uh, very joyful, and sometimes it's um, rather tough. And, I'm um, laughing out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and 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 Nana sort of. Um, um, try to engage me in walking the talk all the way myself. So to, to stay in the positive, constructive responding whenever we had discussion. And it was so interesting to, to, to see what does it actually do when you're trying to walk the talk yourself and mm. to, to, to practice. And, and I actually think that 
that's a very important issue for, for relationship building is how do we actually re- respond to, to somebody else? Uh, and, and I think that both students and teachers and the rest of us, we could really need to practice on the constructive <laughs> responding. Oh, I think so. We made, we, Denise, we made a sign. So I just uh, did the crossing for the four squares in the model. And when I did like this, Meta knew what I was talking about. And then she had to go back to the active constructive. This is, this is such good practice to have, you know, these little shortcuts that we learn in relationships, in families, at work of, you know, what you can say and what you can't say. I'm really appreciating what you're saying for teachers here about um, the the thinking about the, the PERMA structure as a dashboard for to, to have in front of us mentally while we're teaching as well as in our planning. How are my relationships going? Have I lost people? Have I been really cold? Did I just shut somebody down or did I answer really in a friendly, constructive way? Yeah. I have had teachers doing an exercise with with pearls where they had to 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 uh, put small pearls in their right pockets from the the start of the morning and every time they gave a constructive feedback they could uh, move one pearl from one the right pocket to the left pocket um not in order to 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 it, it was not needed to collect you know like 10 or 20 or 50 pearls a day but actually to, to create a bit awareness, mm. am I as positive, uh, constructive speaking as I'm imagining I am? Um, I don't know if, if you have the same in New Zealand, but in Denmark we have um, a sort of um, norm for, for teachers and, 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 and personnel working in kindergartens and schools and so on. They, they have to be um, uh, kind, positive uh, Per persons and and they don't have um, the mental image that I might be an angry or uh, not open-minded or uh, person. So some so sometimes small exercises on your own communication patterns like this can can create an awareness of of your own. Is it okay just to have two pearls in your pocket when you when you leave school today, yeah. or do you want to have ten or twenty? I can think of some teachers I know who say they're really good. The pearls would be moving from one pocket to the other in the day at school. But then once they get home after school, oh, not so much. <laughs> yeah. You know, so sometimes it's around how we are as parents as well as, you know, that, that it's the same human being going home and the relationships at home are just as important. So I think some of these strategies that you're offering to teachers for their teaching are also really useful to think about applying at home as well. You, you could easily right do it. Like you, could, you could you say, I, I, I will do a 24-hour challenge or I'll do a week yeah. challenge and yeah. I'll just... Uh, exercise um but but you could also do it with the students maybe not the smaller younger students but you could actually do it with with um a secondary level student that would be quite perfect to do that as well and in terms of activities for meaning and purpose or to enable students to have more sense of accomplishment in the classroom what activities um, do you suggest there we have uh, we have used a meaning uh, model from from a Danish um, uh, researcher called Isaksen, where we um, 
we, we, we talk about this different levels of meaning and, and you can create, you know, meaning on, on a, a big scale level. What's the meaning of life? But you can also uh, create meaning on, on a very small scale. What's the meaning of uh, doing this specific exercise in class right now? So to, 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 to talk to the students about these different levels of meaning and then make sure that, that they, they know that sometimes it's, it's just concerning the, the, the very small meaning and sometimes this affects actually the, the bigger meaning. I love this. And I know I, when I do work with people, sometimes I'm, I'm with students, talk about students and adults. We talk about some of us have a, a sense of meaning with a capital M, you know, my life has purpose. I know what I want. And then some of us are kind of a bit lost. And I say, well, if you haven't found big M, you can look for small M. And it can be, think of it like a breadcrumb trail, that there are little clues along the way. And some of the things that can be helpful are to think about, oh, oh, I, I think it's a lovely question is, what was the most worthwhile thing you did today? Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, yeah what, made, what made your day feel worthwhile? And, you know, and then taking that and what made this class feel worthwhile? What makes this learning feel worthwhile? I think it's really nice for us to explore where the little nuggets of meaning lie in our, in our days. Yeah. And I think we need to be, be, be better to discuss it because we, do, we don't always serve the why for the students in the classroom. Why do we need to, to, to actually learn this? Why is this important? And sometimes it, the question, uh, the answer is something like, well, you need that to, to pass your exams, but that's way, way, way in front of me, and I cannot, um, I cannot find meaning in, in, yeah. in that for today. Well, in Denmark, the government wants uh, 100% of the teenagers to finish what we call youth education. But when it comes to the numbers for learning and well-being, we seem at the moment to be satisfied with only 70 or 75% of all students uh, thriving in school. So that actually leaves one, four, one out of four students in kind of misery. So, so I think one of the big lessons is that we need to, uh, we need to look into that and actually discuss uh, what person, what, uh, how many students do you think we, uh, we should aim for to thrive in schools? And to what extent is, is the learning optimal? Even to be asked the question in class, what would make learning in this classroom less boring and more interesting? Wow, yeah. suddenly I'm engaged. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not, it doesn't have to be that difficult, actually. But you need to think about it. And, and before, when you and, and, and made it uh, uh, talk, I was... Um, Thinking about the fact that when you ask teachers, why do we do this in class? Why do the students have to learn this? And why is the, the agenda or program today like this? The teacher, the teacher will often have a really good answer. But when I ask the students the same question, they haven't got a clue. So yeah. there's a gap between what the teachers are thinking and, and uh, have been thinking about in the preparation. They yeah. know why, but they don't share it with the students. So if we can just uh, do that a bit more, I think there will be a lot to, uh, uh, to learn from that. When we re released the book, we have, uh, have had so excellent feedback from teachers, from students, from school managers, from researchers. Uh, but what one of the big issues with the book is 
that there's a huge difference be, between acknowledging that there's boredom in schools and, and we need to do something about it. That, that's what one thing. And, and we actually had the leader of the school management in, in Denmark. He said, well, I've been bored to school too. That's, that's, that's just, you know, business as usual. But it's not business as usual because we need, you know, today we need lifelong learning and, and, and we cannot just bore the students so much that they will, you know, not be fond of learning. Um, that would be devastating. Absolutely. Um, but but I, th- I think there's a difference between acknowledging that we have a problem with boredom and we need to do something about it and to say that I have a problem with boredom in, in my classroom and I need to do something about it. So there's a huge difference between them. I've done a lot of observation in classroom uh, um, for, for, for research and, and sometimes you see in the classroom that four or five students, they are very engaged in a discussion with the teacher, but the rest of the class are being terribly bored. And uh, in, in my recent research project, when we ask the students, they tell us that 80% of the time teachers are talking in the classroom mm-hmm. and 20% of the time the students are being active. Then when we are talking with the teachers, the teachers are telling us, we have had such wonderful discussion with the students in the classroom. So there seems to be a huge gap between um, what the teachers uh, understand from, from, from a good session and what the students understand from a good session in, in the classroom. Mm, which goes to suggest that it would be really productive and really helpful to have some conversation around um, what makes class interesting. Were you interested? Were you not? And to, to bring in the boredom thermometer for a while. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. that would help. And it's all about making uh, the uh, engaging education. I mean, it's, it's not a, if we can see that only four or five students are actually active, we need to do something about it. But it starts with that we actually see that that is what is going on. If you had to pick one thing that would make the biggest difference to young people's resilience and well-being, what would that be? Right now, it's, it's sort of boredom that is on our agenda. And, and I think that it's quite important to kill some of the myths. Uh, a, a lot of uh, people are, are saying, you know, that it's healthy to be bored or uh, it's, it's just normal. It's just part of life to be bored once in a while. And, and they don't uh, di- differentiate between the, the healthy kind of boredom where you are bored for like 10 minutes and then you have an option to do something different. It's quite, a, it's, it's quite different if you are at home in the weekend and you don't know what to do and, and you're bored for a while and then you figure something out. Or if you're bored in school and you have, you have no option to, 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 to leave the bored situation. And, and we need to consider that it is quite unhealthy. Um, it, it, it's, mm. it's sort of um, it, if you place your hand on a stove, then your hand will signal to, to to you to remove the hand immediately. And boredom is a signal from your brain that it's lacking stimuli. So so you need to do something about it. And in classroom, a lot of the times the student they don't have this option to to just leave the situation or do something else. Um, and 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 I think we we need to kill some of the, these myths. Um, and, and if we're talking 21st century skills and we're t- talking that, that the, the learning and the well-being for students is not just for today but also for tomorrow, then we need to consider that, that we need to engage them. 
I love I this, that's... Matt. I think this is really exciting. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about other changes that we've made in education. You know, um, several decades ago, we didn't necessarily prioritize the student-teacher relationship and having that connection. Um, and it was, you know, you, if you, your teacher didn't like you, well, so what? And now we know how predictive that is of learning. And I think teachers take that very seriously. And, and I really hear what you're saying is that we need to do the same for, for engagement and boredom. Mm. Yeah. Lovely. Nana, do you want to add anything to that? Um, it, well, I think as a parent, you also need to, uh, to uh, know about PERMA because if you can actually uh, uh, raise the, the PERMA in, uh, in the family, you will also help your uh, your children in the future, uh, but I know it's. Um, I mean, you, you will probably need to know a bit more about the framework. So that's also why we talk about that in the book: how to help the parents do that. If you could only do one thing for the rest of your life to support well-being in other people, what would it be? I think I learn new things all the time. So my answer would at the moment. Uh, would be to continue the teacher's training and, and focusing and using the PERMA framework uh, for preparing execution and evaluation of class. So they really to embed the PERMA elements. And uh, it's only a few months ago when Meta and I visited uh, some schools in Australia. And what we really learned from, from that uh, was that it's so important that the teachers are actually living it, not just teaching it. So, so there will be, uh, there's, we have to do, to really uh, learn it and live it um, before we can teach others about it. Lovely. Thank you. And you, Meta? I, th I think that we have had a discussion in, 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 um, in Denmark about if, if life skills are supposed to be on, on the um, agenda for schools, because uh, we always focus on the academic skills. And, and when we talk about better teachers, we're always talk, talk, talking about better academic teachers. Um, and I think it's quite important that, that um, what is needed is the, the ability to facilitate learning and how you can do that. If you can facilitate good learning, then you can also engage the student and create both better learning and better well-being. Mm -hmm. What's your go-to strategy to boost your own well-being whenever you feel frustrated or down? What works for you? The most important thing would be the relations that we can actually use each other. And um, in Denmark, we have a network for positive psychology and we meet regularly and, and we talked about that really boosts our positive emotions. Oh, uh, nice. So when we're together with, with people who are always uh, also aware of this and and looking into the well-being, then you can really feel it. It's like the, everything is just vibrant in another way. So, um, yeah. And if, if I should build a bridge to the school, it would be that we really have to strengthen uh, the relationship, both the, both the relationships, teacher-students and the student-student relations. Lovely, lovely. Thank you. And Meta, how about you? What works for you when you get frustrated or down? I have been working for several years with the character strengths and, and um, in my top strengths, the, the, the two of my top strengths 
is actually boosting my positive emotions more than the rest of them. Um, I have hope and optimism as one of my top strengths. And, and I've been very, very keen on the work of Shane Lopez, who was... Who was uh, hope monger. Uh, making, yeah, making hope happen. And, and uh, there's some beautiful exercises and strategies to, to, to boost your hope and optimism. And also creativity is one of my top strengths. And, and um, if, if I'm very frustrated, I, I like to create mind maps or, or uh, vision boards or positive portfolios in order to sort of regain uh, my energy and, and my good mood. That's so lovely. Thank you very much. Um, I've, it's been delightful talking to you. I know that we could keep going for another hour, but I think it's really helpful. You've, you've, I think this, this conversation is so helpful for teachers to think about their own teaching. And I love that what you're talking about is as applicable in the planning and in the execution in the classroom, that thinking about having those um, perma categories as a dashboard for me in the classroom and wondering how my how my students are doing in terms of positive emotion engagement relationship meaning and accomplishment is a lovely way of seeing how my class is tracking and how engaged my students can be so thank you so much for being with us today it's been a real pleasure to talk to you and thank, thank you, you denise thank you. it was such a pleasure being here you've been listening to bringing well-being to life on orfm dunedin If you'd like to learn more, our book, The Educator's Guide to Whole School Wellbeing, is available from nziwr.co.nz from early 2020. You can also listen to a podcast of this show on oar.org.nz, on nziwr.co.nz, and you can also subscribe to Apple Podcasts. I'm Dr. Denise Quinlan. Thank you for listening. This program has been brought to you by the New Zealand Institute of Wellbeing and Resilience. For more information on how schools, communities and workplaces can grow their wellbeing and resilience, go to nziwr.co.nz. Take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.